0: Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, Sorry about missing last night's live stream. It was my wife's birthday, and uh, there just wasn't any time because tomorrow morning I leave for Portland, uh, heading up there. I'll be back early Wednesday morning, and uh, then Wednesday night we've got a big event here. Um, It's going to be—we're going to do our live stream with a live audience, so you're all welcome to come uh, Wednesday night here to the church. And uh, it's, it's Peggy Hall, I believe, who's going to be our guest speaker. And uh, David Glinky set it up, but David currently is in, I think, South Korea. Um, he's flying, and uh, Micah's out. So I'm solo tonight. And uh, there's lots going on, but um, real busy, uh, Portland, and then heading up to Boise. And then we're going to head over to Coeur d'Alene on on Saturday. It's just, I I can't even keep track of it all. But so much to do before the election, traveling the country, trying to get people engaged and motivated. We've got a number of things that we're preparing. Uh, One of them, the reason why we're going to Portland is Charlie Kirk is uh, joining with Kirk Cameron, Dinesh D'Souza. A number of us are going to be uh, doing a bus tour that'll be in Portland, then go to San Jose, culminate in Southern California at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, and it's it's going to be a big event. Um, also coordinating another event on October 17th. I'll give you more details on that as well. Um, <laughs> I can't even keep track of it. So uh, if I look tired, it's only because I am. Um, but. Still, uh, these nightly live streams are a great joy for me to connect with you all. And tonight we have uh, Bill Federer, and I'm I'm grateful. He uh, he's swamped as we are. He's being requested to speak all over the country tonight. He's in North Carolina. Uh, everyone is just flying from state to state. There's a just a almost a frantic uh, move of people trying to engage because we see what's at stake in this election. And there's great concern across the country. And so everybody's mobilizing and moving to try to get these things orchestrated. Here in the state of California, and, and Bill will be on shortly, but I just want to share with you here in the state of California, as you know, there's a recall for the governor and that's taking on magnitudinal proportions. Uh, there's a number of events that they are scheduled and um, folks are being requested to speak at those. Um, we've got candidates that we're running up and down the state and encouraging them and trying to help with what they're doing. And uh, so schedules for everybody are busy. And strangely enough, I'm being asked to speak places, which hasn't been commonplace in the past, but now it is. And so um, there's just lots to do. So I wanted to take a day off and spend it with my wife. And if you guys wanted to tune in last night for a live stream that you've become accustomed to, I'm sorry, Um, but my wife and I had a wonderful time. And I know you guys would appreciate that. So we're back up, running, and we'll keep going from here on out. We've got some great guests in store. A number of them are already lined up. We have people orchestrating that. We're also building a studio as we speak. Uh, We're going to kind of improve what you've become accustomed to with this black backdrop and uh, just one camera. We're going to have kind of a high-end studio that we're preparing uh, so that we can start to increase our reach and to minister to folks uh, as as well as minister here locally. We also want to minister to you as you've been tuning in from all across the country and, and uh, across the world. So thank you for tuning in. Um, and then as I said tonight, we've got Bill Federer, an amazing historian and author. He's my dear friend. And uh, I, I just, I, I knew that I just asked Bill a couple of questions and he would run with it because this man is so gifted and there's things that I have that I want to ask him. And tonight, if you want to uh, bring in some questions, they can put them right here on my screen at my feet and so I can ask questions of Bill and I would appreciate that because I don't have a co-host tonight. Uh, all my compadres are gone and I'm, I'm flying solo. So if you guys want to ask questions, that would help me uh, because otherwise it's just going to be my brain asking Bill to expand on his, uh, knowledge of pretty much everything. The man's a walking encyclopedia, uh, walking history book. And I just adore this man. So, uh, let's, let's get to Bill Federer. I want to welcome you. You're in North Carolina. It's going to be a little bit hectic, but, uh, you can hear me. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully you can hear me. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We can hear you. Great. Bill, what are you doing there in North Carolina? What have you been speaking at?
1: Um, well, it was a big, uh, event. Uh, the, Associate Justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court is, was the one who introduced me. Um, and uh, they had all of the different candidates running for judges and state reps. And uh, one state rep, uh, big guy, uh, Keith, he was a freshman. Uh, and he is a freshman. And he filed a lawsuit against the governor of North Carolina uh, saying that he's overstepping his constitutional jurisdiction to shut down churches.
0: Governor and Cooper?
1: He, he Yes, the, the governor here in North Carolina. And he won the case. Amazing. And then he filed a, another case to keep get the restaurants open, another case to get the gyms open, and he's just fighting back against the North Carolina governor. And uh, so there's a lot of courageous people. Uh, the uh, Supreme Court Justice is Paul Newby, and he is the only conservative, one out of seven, on the North Carolina Supreme Court. Wow. They putting, uh, and so he's a very courageous and he, he's in, in North Carolina, they vote for the chief justice. And so he is running for the chief justice spot. Wouldn't that be great to have yeah. a conservative there? And, but it was a, a, a tremendous event. I was inspired. Uh, there are courageous people beginning to, <laughs> to rise up. Uh, and, there, uh, there's a guy behind you just, waving.
0: I was waving at him. I don't know if you saw me.
1: Well, uh, it's, it's a really nice room that they had me speak in, uh, and, and this is the, what's left of it. Uh, they uh, just, um, you know, we're on East Coast time, so it's uh, the, the event just ended. Um, but it's, it backs right up to the river. Uh, okay. It's a beautiful setting.
0: What city are you and, in in North Carolina? Uh,
1: it's called New burn. Okay. And even though the governor wants to have things shut down, the local sheriff said that he would not shut it down. And in fact, the local sheriff was in the front row. And uh, they're very, very thankful here for a, uh, a sheriff that will not enforce unconstitutional governor uh, edicts. So there's some pushback. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, we have to realize that, uh, uh, you know, Jesus pushed back uh, to the Pharisees. If anyone was pride, prideful, Jesus pushed back. Um, if they were humble, he was accepting and everything. But, um, you know, Jesus's first sermon ended with them wanting to push him off a cliff. And then he's speaking another time, and it says, then they picked up stones to stone him. And, and so th- there's a, a backbone that Jesus had that a lot of people in America aren't familiar with. They just think he's, you know, uh, tolerates everything and loves everybody. Uh, no, he um, he has uh, a strength that if we are allowing Jesus to, in Christ in us, the hope of glory, if Christ is in us, then we're going to have some back backbone too. Yeah, And that's what you have, Paul. And uh, Rob, that's why I respect you so much.
0: Thanks, Bill. You, 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 your voice sounds hoarse. You've been speaking all over the place. You've got to be exhausted. I know I am. I wanted to. I, I want to tell you that uh, on Monday, the 28th, maybe we should maybe we should phase out and come back where it's not as loud in there.
1: You want to yeah. well, give me a break? Let me. Let me. Um, maybe I'll get to a different location. Um, <laughs> So uh, that's a great view. What hold, is that? Your hold. finger?
0: <laughs> this is called bad television.
1: <laughs> um, well, it's it's live. It's like the uh, what do you call it? So so this is the porch of this. Oh, did I lose you? No, you're there. Uh, I pressed some button. Um, but last yesterday, I was in South Dakota, and they had an event. Uh, Charlie Kirk uh, was there, and um, turn it that way. Turn ago- your phone. And the governor of the um, oh, the state is it switching? Yeah, hold hold on, I'll I'll figure this out here. Uh, Skype, there you go. All right,
0: there we okay, go. Okay,
1: we're we're back. So it's just a little bit quieter. Yeah, it's great. It
0: was yeah, so a little I'm chaotic on the back before. Back
1: porch of this uh, uh, this nice place where they have the event at. Um, but yeah, the governor of uh, South Dakota was at this event uh, it was um at uh, like a hunting lodge uh christy Nome, and she yeah. uh said no shutdown no lockdowns no masks and no covid i mean they virtually have no covid cases uh and sort of like the sweden model and she says the, the governor she said I, I realize the governor of the state has no power constitutionally to shut down the state And so she says, I refuse to give in to the pressure to shut it down. And she just tells all the people in South Dakota be responsible. Yeah. You know, if you're having a weakened immune system, don't go out, you know, and so forth. So, um,
0: and they've had, they've had some of the, they've had some of the lowest numbers nationally in, in South Dakota. Um, and, and, you know, she's gotten most of the backlash, but we're supposed to, we're, we're going to be in Idaho and you would think this is a conservative state, but in Boise itself, just outside in Eagle, uh, they're not allowing indoor gatherings, which is beyond my understanding. Uh, and then one county over, you're allowed to have indoor gatherings. And it just, it strikes me as just bizarre. Now that we have the data and everything is very clear of what we're looking at, we have our case coming up on the 28th. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for an injunction on us. Uh, it's not gonna be any different than what they've already done. But I just wish pastors would realize if we all stood, and and I just got off a phone call with a, a group of business owners who are amassing up and down the state uh, to open up, and they're, they're looking for churches to lead them because their businesses are being decimated, and, and they know that the governor doesn't have the authority or the right to do what he's doing and and we're standing idly by while while their their livelihoods are being decimated, their families are being decimated, their their businesses are being shut down, our economy's being crushed, and and it really it there there's no justification medically for why they're doing what they're doing, and and the ones who are supposed to lead need to be leading. So I, I'm glad to hear, you know, uh, Governor Noma's is doing that. I'd, I'd like to see churches do that as well. Uh, what have you seen in your travels across the country with churches opening in in many of the states you've been in?
1: Uh, yeah, there, there's a beginning to be a pushback and uh, the uh, what um, the uh, one of the things I've, I've mentioned before, but I think it's worth noting, is that to establish socialism you have to get rid of the middle class. Yeah. Uh, all the way back to Plato you you you. Have a ruling class and the ruled class, you have to get rid of the middle class because they're the only ones that can challenge power. Uh, you know, you had 25 middle class barons in England that surrounded King John on the fields of Runnymede and forced him to sign the Magna Carta. Uh, and the Magna Carta basically says, uh, King, you can't arbitrarily take away our land and you can't arbitrarily throw us in jail uh, without due process. And if you do, to do, do it to any one of us, the other 24 are going to gang up on you. And so you're talking about all these businesses and the need for all these churches to work together. That's what the Magna Carta was. You have these 25 barons in England that says, look, we're going to team up together and we're going to limit King John's arbitrary authority. And that Magna Carta is the the cornerstone of, of all English law and eventually American law, where you you have the people deciding we're going to put limits on on the governor.
0: Yeah, our our governor is the overreach is 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 beyond me, and and the silence. It, it, I, I on Sunday I, I spoke of the malfeasance of government because they're going to be held accountable for for what they knew and when they knew it because we know the data and I want to know when they've known this data because they're doubling down. I mean, we started with six boxes uh, on when to reopen. Five of the six were completed and the six box was simply semantics because if you lower the number of testings to the level that is acceptable to the state, then then the positive cases would would clearly drop and all six would be fulfilled, we'd get to open. And then the governor overnight just wipes that away and puts up a four-tiered system of color-coded and places us in purple arbitrarily. And in the hottest weekend of the year, it was hotter here in the Conejo Valley than it was in Phoenix. And he wanted all churchgoers to go outside with masks on in 110 degree temperatures. And and you you want to talk about a health risk and the insanity of that. And now with the fires burning up and down the state and the air quality miserable, that this is this is just insane that everyone is taking it. So, um, yeah. And and his his goal is to shut down all of these businesses that are now suffering. And, and I, I see what you're, de, you're pointing out with the Magna Carta. Why are we allowing this to occur? And then the govern, government malfeasance is beyond comprehension.
1: And, and it doesn't take a, a lot to recognize the domino effect. Yeah. Again, COVID response was what? Immediately let criminals out of jail. Yeah. Okay, then crime goes up. And uh, some people feel unsafe and move out of the city who maybe those with families and certainly those that can afford to move out. Well, they tend to belong to a particular political party who's left in the city or more, more people that are dependent on government handouts. They belong to a different political party. And then you shut businesses down with covid and smash windows of businesses. Pro business people move out. And they tend to belong to that first political party. And then you shut down churches where social conservatives gather and organize. Okay, that they're not there. And then you let out of school, these high school and college kids that have been indoctrinated with hate America. And the net result is that the COVID response has more people of one particular party moving out, leaving the other party with a monopoly on city politics. And in presidential election years, Whoever wins the city wins the state. Whoever wins the state gets all the electoral votes for the state, and the president is elected by electoral votes. Right. So there's a clear political, and there's terms for it. One is called race baiting, uh, and it wasn't just black and white. Uh, They did it with the Irish in New York, uh, in uh, other countries. Uh, You know, the Serbs against the Bosnians, uh, the Hutus against the Tutsis. You tap into this uh, race issue that has a lot of passion and you harness it for your political agenda. Another term is called fear mongering. That's where you want to get people in fear. Uh, The Republicans are going to take away your social security. They're going to take away your health care. They're going to take and you get a whole lot of people in fear. Well, fear is a motivating force and they go out to vote. And and so people say, uh, you know, would would they really do this? Um, I guarantee they would. Uh, I ran for Congress three times and I've shared stories before of what's happened uh, in my races. But uh, if, if a party can mentally justify killing an unborn baby, you know, what's voter fraud, what's shutting down. So Dan Forrest is the Lieutenant governor of North Carolina. And then I think Dan Patrick is a uh, similar position in, in Texas. Texas. Right. And uh, they were at a meeting where uh, I, I was at and, um, Uh, I texted you while I was there because half a dozen people mentioned uh, Rob McCoy as as a courageous example. But uh, the one said that he was aware that 17 Democrat governors were on a phone call together and they agreed to keep their states shut down so Trump could not have any rallies. Because if he has rallies, he can mobilize his base. If he mobilizes the base, he can win. If he wins, they get voted out. And so you would here you have <laughs> leadership of the states willing to cripple businesses in their states uh, simply for political purposes. And
0: you know, I, I, I've been focusing on that, and, and folks are well aware of it. And I, I think what I'd like to do, Bill, um, I, I wanted to talk about how the Declaration and the Constitution you sound tired. I hope you're not dying on me, are you?
1: No, no. I'm I'm, I'm holding the phone up with my hand because I don't have the uh, my tripod with me. So I'm going to try to put it on on a little thing here, and maybe <laughs> maybe let this hold it for me. Um, that doesn't work any better, does it? No, that works. Like That's fine. That'll do. Well, it, it's it's a wooden uh, rail. It's all and, good. Um, Keep it. Well, here, let me try it this way. So this oh, this is the, this
0: yeah. is going to go down in live stream history as the worst video we've ever done, but it's going to be cool. <laughs> you good?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, it's been one of those days. Yeah, uh, I had to wake I had to wake up at two o'clock in the morning and drive from Gettysburg, South Dakota, to, to uh, Sioux Falls, and uh, uh, had, had a skunk and a raccoon. Uh, uh, um <laughs> cease living after they ran in front of my car. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm 30 minutes from the airport and my thing flashes says, you've got 20, 20 miles worth of worth of gas. And, uh, and it's like four o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to find. Two, and I pull in with my gas tank on empty. And then I get out of Dallas to make my connecting flight. And I grab my carry on luggage and then I'm going to change into my suit. I open up the suitcase and somebody else's clothes are in there. I'm like, Oh gosh!" somebody else had an identical suitcase and I grabbed the wrong one. And he's got a nice suit in his. <laughs> so, um, it's been one of those days. And, uh, but nevertheless, it's an exciting time to be alive. Uh, you know, when, when you look at it from the perspective that, uh, you know, again, every generation has a crisis. Uh, this is just our turn. Yeah. And and, and God uh, cho- chooses us. Is, so everybody watching, you're like the star player on the team. And the Lord has saved you to, to go in the game at this time because he thinks you're going to score. And, and with his help, you will score. And and so this is this is an exciting time to be alive. And um, that he's not going to let anything uh, come upon us that we don't have the strength to resist. Amen. And, uh, you know, a little preachy thing. But um, uh, I've lately been fascinated with the Hubble telescope. And uh, they launched in 1995. In 2003, they focused it on an area of the sky that if you were to take a grain of sand and hold it in your hand and hold it up against the sky at arm's length, the amount of area that that covers, that was how small a spot the Hubble telescope focused on for two weeks. And there was, they picked a spot in the sky where there was nothing. It was just black. When they developed the images, that little grain of sand spot in the sky had 10,000 galaxies with a trillion stars in each galaxy. And that's just one thirty-millionth of the sky in other words, God truly is awesome. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's eternal. And we can trust him with our lives. And the God that made all that, you know, I was thinking, what's a galaxy? It's just a bunch of rocks. Big rocks, little rocks, hot rocks, cold rocks. Um, but rocks, God's like been there, done that. I, I can make make universes and galaxies. A rock can't love you. And so God said at some point in eternity past, he said, you know, I I would like someone in my image that could love me. And so he created all of this reality, everything we have, he's given us. And at some point we're all going to let it go. And the only thing that we have to offer the Lord is our will is, is our willful decision to love him and follow him and let him use us. And, um, anyway, uh, so this is an exciting time for, for each of us to let the Lord use us.
0: Amen. And that, that's comforting. I, I had someone come up to me on Sunday after the service, and they were saying, you sound so pessimistic, Trump's going to win. And, and my, my comment was, you know, most people come up and ask us, is Trump going to win? And, and what they're asking is, can we relax now? But my question to the person who came forward was, what are you doing? I mean, I've, I've, we're running three candidates. We've been in multiple states. We're, what, what are you doing? because you're telling me I'm pessimistic about him winning but my my question is how are you investing in 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 this Representative form of government, and and I—that was my frustration. I'm I'm not pessimistic, but I also know that we we pray as though it, it depends on God and work as though it depends on us. We have work to do, and I, I wanted I wanted to segue tonight because it was a question that came up, and I know you can give insight on it. And I don't want to keep you long because I want you to get some rest, and I, I can carry it from here. But 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 lead us off with this. Share with us how the the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution itself was preached from the pulpits before it became the written documents we possess today. And what ministers did that, especially the minister, I think it was from Connecticut. If you can share with us any insight you have on that, on how they develop these things, and then I'll run with it and you can get some rest.
1: Yeah, well... Uh, I wrote a book called Who is the King in America? And I go through all the 6,000 years of world history, and you see that it's the history of kings, Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultan, Czar. And as the centuries go on, the kingdoms get bigger because with military advancements, you can kill more people. And with technological advancements, you can track more people. So Augustus Caesar wanted to have a worldwide tracking system. He called it a census. I guarantee if he could have chipped everybody and tracked them, he would have. And, uh, we go from Cain killing Abel with a rock to them killing with bronze weapons or iron weapons or a phalanx spear or a scimitar sword or a composite bow or gunpowder. The weapon just increases the killing power, but it's the same selfish fallen nature of Cain killing Abel. If any of the dictators throughout history had not died, they would have been happy to have the world under their thumb by now. And so God says, everybody dies. Um, And and you don't get to eat from the tree of life until you're in in heaven. Right. So uh, the idea is that uh, the biggest king on the planet was the king of England. So sun never said on the British Empire. And he appointed all the judges in America. So you're having court cases. You know, imagine uh, if you won't get justice if the judge is appointed by the governor, so to speak. So in America, all the judges were appointed by the king. He was paying their salary. They're not going to decide the king is bad. right? And so so the the founding fathers um, uh, decided to break away, and they flipped it and made the people the king. So the word citizen is Greek. It means co-king. So we're all citizens of America. We're co-kings of America. Uh, Now kings in Europe have subjects who are subjected to the king's will. So the idea is that... um, where did the founders in America, <coughs> excuse me, get the idea that they could rule themselves without a king um, from uh, ancient Israel? And uh, you, I've done the presentation. And you've seen it. But ancient Israel comes out of Egypt. And for 400 years, they don't have a king. And this is called the Hebrew Republic. And when the Reformation happens, beginning in 1517, for the next century before the age of enlightenment in the early 1600s, You have nearly a century where the scholars in Europe are studying the Hebrew Republic. And these scholars are called Christian Hebraists. And they're studying the Jerusalem Talmud, Mamanides, who was a Jewish rabbi. They're studying the Torah, the Talmud, all these different things. And they're fascinated with how Israel was able to rule itself for 400 years before they got King Saul, and so these were the. Uh, so one of them was John Sadler. He was a Christian Hebraist. His sister Anne married John Harvard, who was the one who helped, uh, you know, donate his library to start Harvard University. Right. And so they they uh, gave they not only taught Hebrew at Harvard and Yale, <clears throat> they gave their commencement addresses in Hebrew. And to this day, the coat of arms of Yale has Hebrew characters on it. And so they were fascinated with this first 400 year period. Now, who were the. Uh, and so it was the congregation, the assembly, and the King of England did not like them. So you got King James, and he wanted to pick up from the King Saul and forward period of Israel's history. And the. Protestants wanted to look at the pre-King Saul period of history. So they both go from the Bible, but the original one, and so the pastors in America, uh, the pilgrims, the Baptists, the Congregationalists, they all had a form of church government where the people in the church participated in the ministry. Uh, and he that's faithful in the very little, Gets entrusted with a little bit more, a little yeah. bit more, a little bit more, and then they rise up in leadership. And um, <clears throat> this this is different than the clergy-lady model that the Anglican Church and you know others uh, had, where the clergy did all the ministry and the lady was lazy and watched. And um, and so this in New England, these pastors simply took their church government model. And they made it their community government model. And they called them town hall meetings. And they would even meet in the church building for their government meetings. I mean, why build a separate building to have a government meeting in? You just use the same building. So they would right. have, in the choir loft, they would have their, their city council meeting. And, um, and so this is uh, this concept of we, the people, uh, ended up uh, rippling and influencing the other charters, and eventually in influencing the Constitution, where it's "We the People."
0: That's amazing. Well, who are, uh, do you recall the the minister in Connecticut? Was it I think one is, Horton, or I can't remember his no, name. Tom, Hooker. Tom Hooker. Thomas Hooker. Hooker, right? Uh, and, and yes. The, the father of the Declaration, as I recall.
1: Right. So. He gave a sermon in 1638 titled, The Foundation of Authority is Laid in the Free Consent of the People. And so that is reflected in our declaration, government from the consent of the governed. And then in his sermon, he says that the people have the power to appoint officers and magistrates, and they have the power to limit the officers and magistrates. And so it's the we, the people concept that was reflected in the Constitution, where we elect our leaders, and if they do a good job, we'll elect them again. If they don't do a good job, we'll vote them out.
0: Yeah. So that was Thomas Hooker, and 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 then all of all of our founders were educated um, in this biblical understanding, and they had gone through. You got to have that. Yeah, there we go. You'll stay alive now. And they, and they had, they, they, they had that, uh, the New England primer, they had that education, they'd had the great awakening. Um, and so they had these, these understandings, especially with Thomas Hooker and all these others so that when they formulated the government of the United States, this was an enormous influence on everything they did. Correct.
1: Oh, it was. And I did a new book on socialism and there's an interesting progression. So the pilgrims had a covenant form of government where it's where they're horizontally in agreement with each other. But more than an agreement, they're committed to helping each other. Yeah. Like the body parts minister. And they get rights from God, not the government. And they're accountable to treat everybody fairly because they're personally accountable to this God. In the next century, after the Pilgrims, you have what's called the Age of Enlightenment. This is the scientific revolution. This is Isaac Newton discovering there's laws of planetary motion, laws of gravity, laws of optics, you know, where they take a little prism and and divide it into different colors. And Robert Boyle uh, discovered there's laws of pressure. You double the pressure uh, and you increase, you you cut the volume in half and so forth. Um, And so some theologians began to speculate that Since there's all these laws of nature, maybe God made the laws and sort of stepped back. Like a guy winds up a clock, sets it on a table, and then walks away, and it just runs its course. And so we go from Pilgrim Covenant to this social contract with a distant God. The ultimate of this is God is an impersonal force out there somewhere. So Covenant turns into social contract with a distant God, Age of Enlightenment. In the next century, it's the French Revolution. And it turns into social contract with no God. God yeah. It's just the people in agreement with each other. And that turns into the next century, Marxism and socialism, where the state is God. Right. And, and so once, when we say it's one nation under God, it's more than just a nice little acknowledgement. If there is no God, you get your rights from the state. If the state giveth, the state can take it away. And so that's what Eisenhower said. He said our our founders had to refer to the creator in order to make that revolutionary experiment make sense. We had to say we have rights from a source higher than the the emperor, the king. The king is supposed to protect our God-given rights. He's not only not protecting them, he's taking them away. And so he's unkinged himself, so to speak. He's not fulfilling the role of protecting our God-given rights. It's the same concept where if uh, the child is supposed to obey the dad, but if the dad says, go out and sell yourself into prostitution so I can get some money, uh, does the child need to obey the dad? No. You only obey the authority as long as the authority is, is obeying God.
0: You know, you, you commented about the, the the change in the different denominations where some would look at civil government uh, from the, the Jews in the wilderness, covenantal, and then then you'd have denominations that would look at when, when Saul was king and down the lineage of David, when you went to um, uh, uh, a, you know, a, a theocracy, so to speak. And, and, um, and as you look at these, the interesting thing to me is with these two forms of government, even with David, looking at Saul and looking at David, even with both of them, God said to Samuel, they want a king. They're not upset with you, Samuel. They're upset with me. And, and we'll give them what they're asking for, but tell them what's going to happen when they get a king. And he explains it to them, they still want a king. So God honors the form of government that they request. But what hit me is that when either Saul or David were out of line, they were still under the authority of God. Because in this monarchy, uh, when David commits adultery with Bathsheba and then murders her husband Uriah, then, then Nathan approaches David... And calls him to account. And David realizes he's in submission. Even in a monarchy. He's still in submission to a supreme authority. And and that's, that's, the, that's the idea that God governs in the affairs of men. Regardless of the governmental structure. But the primary structure that God always intended was a republic. This idea of appoint godly men who are not covetous over thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. As Jethro had told to Moses, and then we go into you know Greece and we see this republic established and these ideas. So Athens and and uh, Jerusalem or Athens and and the Hebrews come together, and 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 these these Protestant denominations maybe with Calvin and maybe with Hobbes, the two of them coming together and creating what we have experienced here in the United States of a constitutional republic. And it strikes me that we're accountable to God and accountable to each other. I, I, it's, it's a fascinating understanding of how we came about with this, this form of government. Am I off on any of that?
1: No, no. And, and it releases individual creativity. Yes. Uh, where when it's a top-down form of government, uh, you, you're afraid to do something wrong. And so it paralyzes you and you're you're not risk taking. You're not a good example. of This is World War II. The American soldiers would get their captain killed. The squad would know the mission and they would still go forward and accomplish the mission. The German soldiers, if their captain got killed, they would be paralyzed. They're like, who's going to do something, you know, uh, because it was top down. My brother uh, was an international tax attorney. And he did work with businesses over in Germany, and our dad was German, so we're we're half German. And my brother used to say, um, you know, I used to say that I was part German. He goes, no, nah, I'm American. He yeah. says, we, We'd be with this company, and we'd have a board meeting, and he'd say, Okay, uh, something needs to be done. Um, you know, I, I need approval to do it. And he said nobody would would want to give the approval because they were all afraid that they would do something wrong. Maybe got checked with this, you know. And my brother finally said, You know what? <clears throat> I, I'm going to do what I think needs to be done. And if it's not somebody come and stop me, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. And and he would do it. But so this idea that he's a self-starter, but in America, we sort of gave birth to this individual creativity where it's, it's a little bit of a risk. It's a little bit of unsecurity and that's where faith and you trust the Lord. Um, But the opposite of that is you're, you're paralyzed and you're waiting for that welfare check. So uh, every parent is faced with this, you know, a 30 year old kid, he's still living in the basement, you know, Uh, he's, he's, you know, it's like when you're uh, uh, potted plants and they get root bound and they start growing in a circle, you know. Uh, But in in America, we uh, want to give people the creativity to be all that God made them to be. And. When you look at nature, there's gazillions of bugs and gazillions of plants and gazillions of little fishes in the ocean. God demonstrates his glory by all of the creativity. He's got a different plan for every person. Yeah, And and, and that we get the freedom to seek him and have him reveal that plan that he has specifically for each one of us. Socialism doesn't do that. In Germany, you know, in Europe, you take a test as a kid and you don't score high. The government channels you into career paths. And if you decide later on that you want to switch careers, sorry, you can't. The government's already chosen those for you. Um, but in America, you can switch. You can you can somehow uh, make these decisions for your life. So in other words, you get to be the king of your life. And then collectively, we're the king of the country. That's yeah. what the gift that our founding fathers gave us.
0: And, and we're at a press right now where uh, it, it, it's never been like this. And, and at least in your understanding of history, the United States has never really been at a crossroads like this. I mean, this is you know the, the 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 revolutionary war was to fight for the liberty now we possess it it's it's not a civil war because uh, we're we're it, it's a it's a revolutionary war because they want to systematically change everything they the, they want to do away with this form of government of a constitutional republic and 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 they're they're taking over cities and things are happening in that respect can can you do you see this as uh, a, a critical moment in American history from your experience. It, it,
1: it's extremely critical and um, one, I wrote a new book on socialism um, and then I uh, we, we, we sold out of it. I did two interviews in two days in a row on the 700 Club. and we sold every book we had and we had another you know 5,000 being printed. but anyway, so I have a chapter on a guy named Manning Johnson. And he was a black man in the 1930s, and he became a communist, sort of like W.E.B. Du Bois became a communist. And so uh, he's ten years. He actually runs for Congress in the state of New York as a Communist Party candidate, and then he um, realizes that they really don't want to help the black community; they just want to be- bring division. And so he he left and began exposing it. So he gave testimony before the the House on an american Activities, and and so he wrote a book, and Archibald Roosevelt, the grandson of Teddy Roosevelt, wrote the foreword to it, or maybe the son, he's the son of Teddy Roosevelt, wrote the foreword to, to Manning Johnson's book, and um, anyway, he talks about how um, they wanted to get rid of God, and in communist countries they teach evolution, so there's no gods, so there's just a state, and so But he says that he would they went into the black community. They couldn't get rid of God. And so they decided to change the gospel and make Jesus into a carpenter. He's a working man and he's against the capitalists, which were the Romans. And he made a whip and drove him out of the temple, the money changers. And so he was, you know, willing to to riot. Before you know it, they turned Jesus into a Palestinian activist. And they forget the fact that he is the son of God who died on the cross to pay for all the sins of the world. And, but this, this new gospel, the apostle Paul warns in Galatians, he says, you know, if someone comes preaching a different gospel, you know, don't follow him. Curse be that person. And, um, and so this different gospel uh, was a way for the communists to infiltrate into these different communities and turn the churches into social justice churches. And then uh, there was a congressman in 1963 from Florida, Robert Herlong, and he read into the congressional record 45 goals of the Communist Party that they had captured and, and and understood. And one of them was infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with the social gospel, the social justice movement. So we have to understand the social justice movement is a counterfeit of the gospel. It's, it wants yes. to have heaven on earth yep. without God. Yep.
0: And, 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 when, and in Galatians where Paul says, who has bewitched you, the word bewitched is, is, is you're shallow in analysis. You haven't done your homework. You're, 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 being, you're being taken advantage of because of your ignorance. And, uh, and I, I find it fascinating that that's exactly what Paul was warning them against. And here we are embracing social justice as though the scriptures speak of anything in regards to that.
1: Yeah, Jesus didn't say go out and trash people's businesses and and shoot police officers to let the world know I love them. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Now, um, now there's another guy, Yuri Besmanov, and my thing just flipped up. That my battery might be running low. So if I if I go off, it's it's. it's I think not, not only uh, is your
0: not only is your phone battery running low. I think your battery's running low. We got to get you some rest. So finish your thought, and I'll I'll close up tonight.
1: So, 1970s, uh, KGB agent defects to America, and this is another chapter in my book on socialism. His name's Yuri Bezmenov, and he says that people think of KGB as James Bond. He goes, no. He says our job was to identify the political opinion, the public opinion molding sectors of society, the people. And these would be in media, in Hollywood, in education, and the pulpit. And they would go and befriend these people and begin to pull them in a socialist direction and then to also introduce this hate America concept. And he says this period takes 20 years because that's how long it takes to educate and brainwash a generation. generation, He He says it's so effective that once somebody has bought into it, you can take them to the Soviet Union, show them a concentration camp, and they still won't believe it. He says the next phase... Is a three to five year period where you have them spend so much money that the country goes bankrupt Mm -hmm. and you weaken the military. He says the next phase is only six months. You have some incident that you can blow up into riots across the country. And when the entire country gets panicky enough, you do a coup or a rigged election and replace the leader with a Soviet puppet. And then everything is normalized. Yeah, and so <clears throat> this is a pattern that has been revealed and been used in countries around the world for seventy years, and so we see. And matter of fact, I, I talk about it in the book. But our our CIA, you know, Eisenhower approved the first CIA operation to overthrow a country's leader. So as the communists were doing this, I. Truman did nothing. He thought his United Nations will bring world peace. So he sits back while Romania and Czechoslovakia and Hungary and Poland, all these countries are becoming communists. And uh, so Truman was sort of useless. And then Eisenhower says, well, we can sit back and let him take over everything or we can fight back. And so he sends Kermit Roosevelt Jr., a grandson of Teddy Roosevelt. He was an expert at foreign languages. He goes to Tehran and he does The same thing in reverse. He recruits mobsters and gangsters and radical imams, and they stage protests and attack mosques, and they co-opt the media with bribes and threats to blame the leader of Iran. And when the public got confused enough and panicky, they did a coup. They replaced Mazadek with the Shah. And the Shah of Iran loved America because we put him in. And then we did this in countries around the world. The KGB did it in countries around the world. This is called the Cold War. Yeah, Cold War. The only difference this time around is it looks like those tactics are being used on our own soil,
0: right? It's 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 a it's a time where not only do we need to be vigilant, but we need to be exceptionally prayerful because uh, th- this is going to come to a head November uh, November third, and it's going to be intense. And there's going to be rioting across the country, and all kinds of things are going to happen. And especially with Justice Ginsburg uh, passing, uh, th- this is this is ground that they don't want to secede and lose. So I think I lost you. Uh,
1: oh, well, wait, wait. I, I, um, I may have pressed the wrong button here, but um, anyway, uh, let, let's let's well, do, let's I do this. Let,
0: let's do this, Bill. You, you get some rest. I'm almost at the top of the hour. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by what you're sharing. It's very encouraging. But I'm watching you get sicker and sicker in front of my eyes, and you need some rest. You've been up since two in the morning. Don't do this to yourself. Go rest. That's an order.
1: Well, uh, uh, let me share. Uh, a little positive thing. And and I've again shared it before every generation has crises. Yep. Genghis Khan, Attila, the Hun, bubonic plague. And, uh, the people in those crises have a chance to respond, either be part of the problem or the problem or be part of the answer, ministering God's love and grace to a hurting and dying world, standing up for righteousness, defending the defenseless. Uh, if we get through this problem, there'll be another one and there'll be another one after that. And the wheat and tares grow together till the harvest. You're always going to have evil people plotting evil things. And you're always going to have godly people that have backbone that stand up. And you're always going to have the wishy-washy lukewarm that that's the revelation that's going to be spewed out of the Lord's mouth. And so this, um, is our turn and whether we turn it around or not, we want to show the Lord whose side we're on. Amen. And, and, and it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, and, uh, When when you realize we're already dead and in Christ, our life is saved with Christ and God. It's Christ that lives in us and through us. And, uh, you know, God who made the stars, He is all powerful, He is all knowing, He's infinite. And if we just trust in Him, you know, seek Him, pray, and then more and more I'm hearing. uh, Matter of fact, it was amazing to hear some of these state reps here in North Carolina uh, talk about praying, but then waiting and listening and letting the Lord speak to you and putting ideas in in your head. And then you, by faith, you know, as as long as it's an idea that is a good idea, it's not like, you know, sell drugs or something, uh, but as long as it's a good idea, then, and you check it out against the scripture, make sure that, you know, it, 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 balances with what God has done in the past, but, but you listen to the Lord and he gives you ideas and then you go out and act on them.
0: Yeah. Amen. And, uh, and, anyway. and and like you said, it's it's an exciting time to be alive. We we have the privilege to stand. We don't have to be afraid of anything. And it, it, this this is our call. And so, uh, bless you, Bill. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: and I've shared this with you before, but maybe not with those that are watching. To the same degree the world attacks you, is the same degree the Lord will honor you. It's sort of a take off on. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the father. But if you not only confess the Lord, but you're standing up and you're working to get his will and you're you're working to bring glory to his name, that's the same degree that he's going to honor you. And so, anyway, I'll end with that.
0: That's a good word. Uh, stay right there. Lord, I ask your blessing on Bill. Lord, refresh his, his body and his spirit, his mind. Give him rest, Lord. Hold the moon still so that His body can be restored with the extensive travel he's been doing and as his throat is struggling and all these things. Lord, thank you for my brother. But he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So I pray refreshment upon him and blessing and healing. And I thank you for him. Encourage him, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Go go get some rest. That's an order.
1: All right. Bless you, Rob. I'll see you, Bill. Michelle and the family are loved. And bless all those that are watching.
0: I will. Thank you, Bill. So, uh, yeah, you you had a chance to see tonight uh, Bill Federer, not in his uh, normal studio and a chance to speak with us, but he's traveling on the road. And this is the intensity that all of us are undergoing at the moment. We're traveling all over the country. As you heard him, he was in South Dakota, now he's in North Carolina. He had to get up at two o'clock in the morning, had to to bust it to get there, went through Dallas, uh, you know, luggage being switched. This is commonplace. I was talking to Charlie earlier. I'm speaking to a number of other folks and, and everyone is holding their corner of the stretcher. This is, this is our time to be active. You can either be on the battlefield participating or you can be uh, just, just in the stands and, and waiting for someone else to do the work, but you want the outcome. You can be cheering in the stands, but it's to be in the arena and to participate. There's plenty to do. There's, there's signatures to gather, there's precincts to walk, there's candidates to support, there, there's, there's people to speak to, there's business owners that need to stand, there's churches that need to open, there's work that needs to be done, there's, there's contributions to be made to defend people who are standing to do this. At a number of churches, my, my brother up in, in Calvary Chapel, San Jose facing $5,000 fines, um, accumulated almost. He's the only one remaining because the other pastor there uh, gave up. And he's the last one standing in San Jose of, that I know of who's under uh, legal pressures. So if, if, if you don't want to participate, meaning you, you, you don't want to walk, you don't want to walk precincts, you, you don't want to gather signatures, those aren't things you want to do. You want to remain home and, and watch this then then send them support, help them. Um if you if you want to know how to support them, uh just connect with us at, at info at godspeak dot com and and we'll We'll get you connected with all the folks. I know that uh, Robert Tyler, who is defending a number of lawsuits, both for charter schools, private schools, churches, up and down the state. I was speaking with him today because our case is coming up on Monday the 28th. He is doing all this pro bono. Uh, you can you can help them. Um, so if if you want to know the connection for that, Again, info at godspeak.com will get you connected to be able to support all the work that's being done. And maybe that's your call. Maybe you don't have the ability to walk precincts or to gather signatures or to open churches or to do those type of things, but you you, you can support the work. So all of us need to be rowing in the same direction. This is critical. I, I can't emphasize it enough. Uh, I, I at, come November 3rd, I want to be so exhausted that, that I have la- left it all on the field. I'm going to put it all on the field. And, I, and we all have to do this. And, and I, I can't emphasize it enough. So please, folks, get in, get in the arena. Participate in any capacity. If you want to know how to do it, contact us. We'll direct you. Tell us what it is you think you're capable of doing, and we'll point you in the direction to do it. But this has to happen. Time's running out. It's critical. Pray as though it depends on God. Work as though it depends on you. Pray for a garden and pick up a, a hoe and start, or, or a, a, a rake or a shovel and, and, and start working. And that's that's how we're gonna get this done. So um, you can see Bill Federer. I mean, he's three sheets to the wind. He is. He's tired. He's been laboring. He's been supporting these candidates. He's been doing these fundraisers. Uh, he's, he's, He's spending himself for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of this nation, for the sake of this republic. That's his call, and that needs to be all of ours. And so please, do not find yourself a spectator in one of the most critical moments in the history of this nation, for your sake and for the sake of the generations to come. God has given you this privilege to participate in what is our moment. This is that Kairos moment in time where God has said, I'm looking for my people who are called by my name to humble themselves and pray, repent, turn from their wicked ways and participate in this. So let's do it, let's do it. I hope that encourages you. I'm encouraged, I'm I'm tired in the work but I'm not tired of the work. I'm gonna keep going and we're all gonna do this together. So be encouraged. God is on the throne and he's looking for his, his, his people who are faithful, who are willing to be obedient and he'll use you. Crisis has come in every period of history, and this is our moment to find ourselves faithful. And so may God find you faithful. Let me um, let me pray for you, and then I'm gonna bless you with numbers six. Lord, thank you for the folks who've tuned in, and um, Lord, for the the blessing that Bill gave to all of us with the insights and just refreshing our understanding of what's taking place and putting it into perspective. And now, God, being able, even with our eyes, to witness a man who has has been giving it his all and his health is struggling and we we prayed for his healing. But Lord, that's across the country talking to folks who they're tired but they're not relenting. They're pushing. And so God, please, I, I pray that you would refresh all those who are stepping into the arena. And for those who haven't, Lord, encourage them that this cause needs reinforcements. And so whether it be our time, our treasures or our talent, Lord, let those be activated for your glory. And I pray, God, that you would have mercy on this land and that you would be gracious to us. And God, please, we pray that you would stave off the enslavement of mankind and that tyranny would, would be, that we would stand against tyranny, Lord, that we wouldn't tolerate it any longer. And so cause an awakening across this nation that our eyes would be open and we would push back for the liberty and the freedom of mankind. So we ask this, Lord, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right. Well, here's a blessing for you tonight. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We're going to be gathering as a nation to pray. Uh, As a church, as we approach election, we're going to be praying Um, forces that seek to destroy this republic are at work as we speak. But I'll tell you what, the fervent, faithful prayers of righteous men and women accomplish great things. Pray as you've never prayed before and be fervent in that prayer and intercede and pray for folks like Bill and Charlie and myself and all the folks across the country. Pray for your leaders. Pray for godly representation. Pray for those who would seek to destroy that, that they would be thwarted. And, and God is faithful and just to hear us when we pray. And all the promises in his word are yes and amen. So pray, pray. And may God bless you and encourage you and give you that spirit of not defeat, but remember that you're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so stand with fervency and allow the Lord to use you in Jesus' name. We'll see you tomorrow night, everyone. God bless you.